Hi, this is Ron Darling with SNY TV. Um, you know me from covering the Mets, and uh, I hope you get a chance to listen to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. I had a great time. I hope you do, too. Hi, I'm Ron Swoboda of the 69 New York Mets, and you're listening to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Mets Musings is an unofficial, independent podcast covering New York's National League Baseball team. It is not affiliated in any way with Major League Baseball or the New York Mets. This is Len and Jeff from Baseball and Barbecue. And the one place to go for New York Mets news, past week game reviews, upcoming series previews, interviews, analysis, opinion, and and what's going going down down on the farm. It's Mets Musings with Gary Mack. So keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. I hope everybody had a great couple of weeks out there. Yes, we missed last week, but there was a reason. Trying to get the boys back together to do the old roundtable, and uh, we did it. We did it for this week. So, without further ado, let's go to our roundtable. The Mets are on a hot streak, and we're going to talk about it with my old friends, Barry, Jeff, and Len, and that's coming up right now. Now, joining me this week, we've got another one of our famous round tables, only uh, we couldn't actually mesh it together, so we were all together, so we're all in different places, but it's the usual round table with my former co-host, Barry Newman. Barry, welcome back. Thank you, Gary. And just for full disclosure... I'm actually sitting by my computer, which is not on a round table. It's more of an oval shape. <laughs> well, at least it's not square. <laughs> and also online joining us is the boys from Baseball and Barbecue, the, the show that makes you hungry when you listen to it. Jeff and Len. Len's here this time. He could make the last one, but he's with us this time. So, guys, welcome back to Mets Musings. Thank you, Gary. We couldn't. I couldn't miss two in a row. I'm just a giddy Mets fan, ready to go. <laughs> Hi, Gary. How you doing? Good, Jeff and Len. Uh, well, guys, you know, this is going to be odd for this show. I don't even know what to say because I can't rant and rave this week because the Mets have gone on a hot streak that have come out of nowhere. Um, stood pat pretty much last week. They did make one trade uh, from, to get a, a big, fairly big trade. They made a, uh, they brought Jace, they got rid of Jason Vargas as well and uh, brought in a double-A catcher. But uh, the big trade, of course, was uh, Anthony Kay. And uh, uh, my mind escapes me now. Who was, oh, uh, Simeon Woods Richardson. Uh, they traded them uh, two prospects to the Toronto Blue Jays for Marcus Stroman. 
Um, and that was it. They sat quiet. No bullpen help. Uh, did they uh, make a deal for Wheeler is still here. Syndergaard is still here. Uh, DeGrom, of course, is still here. Todd Frazier is still here. Wilson Ramos is still here. All the guys that we thought that may be gone are still here as the Mets have been the, I think, believe the hottest team in baseball since the All-Star break. They've gone 19 and 25, I think it is, and are now a mere half a game out of the wild card, the second wild card. Did not see this coming at all. In total shock, uh, the bullpen's even pitched well. So, guys, what's your opinions on the, the trade uh, standing pat and uh, the week that the Mets have? And we'll start with Barry. Okay, Gary. Yeah, there was no signs of any turnaround when we did the roundtable, which was the first game after the All-Star break, which dropped their record to 40-51. and 51, And coming off the disappointments of the last two seasons none of us thought they'd be playing any meaningful games until whenever but we have to give Brody the credit for staying the course and believing in the team or maybe just realizing that New York fans would not or could not accept the Astros Cub 100 loss season type of rebuild and also we have to give credit to Mickey despite some still very questionable in-game decisions he Kept his players from quitting on the season when it, and when it looked like he was toast, especially after that blow up with Tim Healy. But they moved forward, and let's give some kudos to Phil Regan, who we kind of made fun of, fun of on the last round table. And let me be the first to say, because I've I've had duck, but I but I've never eaten any crow, but I'm ready to to eat some now because. Like most Mets fans, uh, we did not see, or I did not see, the Mets being in any kind of a of a, a playoff race uh, just a couple of short weeks ago. But here they are, what a just a, a game or so behind in the walkout with a big series coming up against the Nationals, which could put them in the lead for the walkout, and we can't even dismiss the possibility of them winning the National League East now, the way they're playing. Yeah, there's still eight games out of the National League East, but only a half game behind the Phillies and uh, take two and a half behind the Nationals. Theoretically, I mean, if they could sweep the Nationals this weekend, that's a tall order, but if they could do that, they could be uh, right there in second place, and depending upon what the Braves uh, would be doing all that time could be closer to them, but guys, what are your feelings on uh, uh, the uh, last couple of weeks? Uh, the last couple of weeks have been exciting. Okay, we've beaten up on, of course, the sub five hundred teams. So, of course, we're not going to get overly excited. Let's see what happens this weekend against the Nationals. But here's what I got to say: one. Talking about the Mets and not having anything negative to say, I mean, that's like going to a family gathering and not being able to <laughs> gossip about, you know, someone. Come on. Um, but here's what I'm thinking. You know, Brody, Brody made a great trade for Stroman. Hopefully, you know, he comes to, you know, he is, is, is everything advertised. But what I'm hesitant about, what worries me, is if, 
if the if the idea was all right, we're still in it. We're going to contend. We're making a deal for Strowman. They left themselves mighty thin because you've got a starting staff now, and if one guy goes down, you got problems. Trading Vargas. What was the point in trading Vargas? What it's not like what they got in exchange for Vargas. What they, what they get a, a the catcher from Atlanta, like a double A catcher, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, from Philly. I'm sorry, Philly. Right. They made the trade with Philly. Okay. And yeah, they saved a couple million dollars, I believe. But if they really are in this thing, then they they. They really, I, I don't know. I think that was one, one injury, one injury to one of these pitchers, and they got major problems. Who's gonna, who's gonna, you know, who's going to come in? Lockett. I mean, who they, they, you know, Len has no confidence in in, in flexing and Lockett and uh, yeah, whoever else. He has no confidence. Well, from what I understand, there's a lot of scouts that are very high on Lockett. So, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, at least it's it's uh, it, it's something that they do have, and uh, uh, probably one of the better options that they've had over the last few years if something went wrong. So, uh, it, it is something to continue to consider, I should say. Yeah, uh, you know, when they, they went. Last fourteen games at thirteen and one, and I know against the White Sox, the Pirates, the Marlins. Who, by the way, Marlins swept us last time. So you know, let's let's uh, let's just remember that. But you know, if you win thirteen out of fourteen, it doesn't matter who you play. That, that's a that's a hell of a streak. Number right. one, I kind of think of it as a you know when you're in college and you were taking these practice tests and getting better just to. Uh, Get ready for the big test. Well, that was practice. Here comes the big test with Washington next, and I, I guess they have uh, who they have after Atlanta. Atlanta after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here comes the big test. They're playing. They're playing the teams that have winning records, and now and now the Mets have a winning record. So you know it might might be a test for them as well. You know, so um, I think with the pitching staff it is you can put that against any pitching staff anybody. Now they have to go. Long in games, they got to go seven, eight innings. Cause I, I still don't trust the bullpen. I mean, Lugo is is the best of the bunch, but if he, if he pitches more than one inning, God forbid, can't they, you can't put him in for a second game. Yes, he has to rest. I get it. Uh, but you know, if he pitches ten in, ten pitches in those two innings, he still got to rest. I, I don't get. It. So I'm kind of, kind of contradicting myself right there, getting it and not getting. It, but whatever. Uh, but they did bring in a Brad Brach today. So, you know, he's a, I don't know how proven he is, but he's better than the alternative of uh, Donnie Hart, I guess. Hopefully he can help. I still have no confidence in Jerry's familiar. Evan Diaz is a flip of a coin. You don't know whether you're going to get the good, good Edwin or the bad Edwin. And uh, so, you know, hopefully the Mets pitching fifth can go, go deeper in the game. And that will take But you know what, in. Jeff? You're basically what you said is, and this is where – I feel, you know, surprisingly confident that the way the starting pitching has turned around, especially the big three. I mean, Jake and who they actually are getting runs for now. What a concept. And along with Noah and Zach, 
are pitching into the seventh and eighth inning almost on a regular basis, and they're 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 pitching tremendous. And like you said, you can put those three guys up against anybody. And as a four and five, uh, Stroman and uh, Stephen Matz will do just fine. Again, they have to pitch deep into games. And I agree with you that the bullpen is still a work in progress, especially Diaz. They've got to try to get him straightened out somehow. At the very least, for a while anyway, he cannot be the closer. Yeah, but Barry, the, the problem is that they got themselves in such a deep hole that right now there's no room for error. So it's not like where a team, let's say the Yankees, that have you know such a big lead or some of these other teams with such big leads that they can put him in there and uh, you know let him work things out. There's no room for error, so he's got to you know if he if they put him in there and he doesn't do something, you know he gives up a home run or he he can't get out of a jam. They can't worry about it. I mean, you, you need him to be right because he's a major part of the team. But it's oh the yeah, they, they don't get him straightened out. The Mets aren't going anywhere. As great as Seth Lugo has been, he he can't be in there every single night. His arm's gonna fall off. And let's not forget that the uh, Justin Wilsons and the Luis Avalons of the world, you know, they're, they're at least they're major league caliber pitchers now. So the bullpen is better when you take out a Zamora or a Flexen or a Gagnon or the Bachelor and replace them with the Justin Wilsons and Luis Avalons of the world. Even the guy they picked up today, this guy Brad Brack, I think he's, his name is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been a serviceable major league pitcher for – he's having a bad year this year. And it's a significant improvement on what was possibly the worst bullpen in, in baseball history, at least now – you have some 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 kind of confidence in it that they're going to get the job done most of the time, especially when they're pitching fewer innings. And, you know, what happened to but, Pounder and those guys? I mean, Pounder pitched pretty well when he was up here for uh, uh, a brief spell there, and that that's another guy. And, and Bashler's been up and down, so we really don't know what we get from him. He's looked great in some games and then come out the next game and get hammered, but... Uh, I'd like to see more of Pounder. I think he's back in Syracuse, but he's he's a guy that I'd like to see more of that could be a fresh arm going down the stretch. And, and another thing, you know, um, the Mets have been on this run. Washington went on a run like this before. Um, but is it possible that... You know, Washington could run out of gas because they had this long run. They were in kind of worse shape than the Mets were and actually had to come back, I believe, from a worse record than the Mets did. Um, Scherz is out. I, I don't know if he'll be back this weekend or not, if we'll see nope, him. No, he he's back. He's back? Uh, they missed him this weekend. He's not coming back. Not this weekend. Um, so so that... that could be a, a you know a leg up for the Mets uh, going into the weekend, but um, is it possible that the Phillies you know who have been battling all season they, they're kind of losing they're gassing out now? Could the Mets have just gotten hot at the right time and just uh, blast into this thing? I mean, we see the Brewers uh, 
you know, not playing as well. The Cardinals were hot for a while. They've kind of slowed down. Um, and as I said, the Phillies, and that's really the competition now for the second wild card spot. Um, and with Washington in the first spot. So could they uh, all gas out and the Mets have enough gas to pass them at this point? Oh, I think uh, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in Philadelphia. I think they're, uh, they peaked and I think they're, they're uh, on the downhill now. Milwaukee has the same amount of losses as the Mets. So that, that could be, uh, you know, that can come down to the wire. Same as St. Louis. Hopefully we'll uh, you know, do well against Washington, cut it there, two up. On, uh, I guess we're a game and a half behind them in, in the wild card. So hopefully we'll be able to, you know, take at least two out of three. Um, one thing I will say about Washington this weekend, I would advise the Mets pitchers, do not pitch to Rendon. He's a <laughs> Mets killer. Just pitch around him, make him frustrated, make him swing at, at, at ball just out of a strike zone because he's like a, he's a, a Mets killer. They miss Freddie Freeman when they, when they play Atlanta. Just don't pitch to him. Pitch around him. And they've got to keep those base runners from from running wild on, on Ramos, who's been terrific getting so many big hits. And I believe he leads all major league catches and runs batted in. But he's definitely defensively challenged. And you you guys know that the Nationals have, the Nationals have had a history of running wild against the Mets catchers. So, they're going to have to control that running game. Well, we're probably going That's to see Nito in that one game uh, if Syndergaard's pitching. Go ahead. Right, and he's probably going to catch uh, yeah. the Grom's game as well. I think Sunday. Len? Yes. Your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I think I think our catcher. Um, is, is, if we had a DH, that would be his position because he's he's hitting, but fielding. I mean, Nito is probably who we should have in there, and that's not going to be the case. So, um, yeah, I am worried about the I'm worried about the stolen bases. But what maybe our pitchers can uh, can keep them off base. I that's, think that's the plan to do it. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll see a few no hitters this weekend. Since we're all we all seem to be drinking the Kool Aid, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that certainly would be nice. Now um, we haven't talked much about Marcus Stroman coming over. Uh, I know Barry, you have an opinion on that. You're not a big fan of the trade, uh, so let's start with you. Yay or nay on the Marcus Stroman deal? You know what, I'm sort of in the middle on it. When it was first made, I didn't understand giving up the two prospects. But the more I thought about it, it basically turns out to be Stroman, Favargi, and the two prospects. And the Mets are getting an extra year of control on a pitcher who is better than the one they dealt away. And the more I thought about the perception of the trade, makes it more of a positive for me because it shows that the Mets really are are, are going for it this year. And not, nothing against Stroman. I just think that the way he's been touted since he came to the Mets, he's 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 a he's a good pitcher. He's you know, he'll I guess he'd be the fourth the fourth starter on this team now. And 
I, I would take the starting five and run, run with it, and that gives me a lot of confidence. And, of course, Strowman's from here. He's, he's pitched in the playoffs, and he's put around. He's pitched effectively. So uh, he, he's okay. I just don't think he's quite as good as the as the media is making him out to be, but he, but he, he is, he is a decent pitcher. And, uh, and also maybe I thought that him being a contact pitcher with the Mets defense may not be such a, a good fit, but then you look at the defense and see how much it's improved in the past two weeks, especially Rosario with shortstop. And maybe we should take credit for it because we torched him on the last round table saying that, he should be moved to center field. So maybe he heard us and said, F you guys, I'm not a center fielder. I'm a shortstop. And his defense has been tremendous the past few weeks. And also Gary Cohen mentioned on one of the telecasts that he's worked with Gary DeSarcina, who we also, and actually it was me that criticized him more than anyone for not getting the most out of him. But, They've been working according to to Gary, and it's now you know paying dividends. So Barry, he looks like a different player at at the position than he did a few weeks ago. When the Mets got Mike Piazza, Mike and the Mad Dog took credit for that. No, uh, yeah, they were taking credit for it because they said uh, that the, you know the Mets were listening to the show and and they brought him here. So. We're so Rosario now is crediting Mets musings for his recent development. I got gotcha. you. Okay, that makes. I like. I like it. I like it too. Yeah. You know, on my thoughts on the Stroman trade, uh, you know, they were getting Mets were getting panned for making the trade, gutting their system, and you know. Simeon Knight Woods Richardson seemed like a good player, but he is years away. He is 18 years old. So he's not going to see the majors for another two, three, four years at, at the very least. And who knows what, what can become in those years. Now, Anthony Kay, I'll give you a little inside information here. This is exclusive to Mets Musings. My, uh, my nephew, Sam, is friends, was friends, is friends with Anthony Kay because they went to high school together. And when the trade happened, they uh, texted each other, and Anthony Kay was not very happy about going to Toronto. He said the Mets promised him he'd be in his rotation next season. So Anthony Kay is not happy about making the trade, but you know what? That's baseball, right? That, that, that's the business of baseball. That's, that's what happens. Then he'll be a – reports say he's going to be a very decent pitcher, maybe a three or four. He's not, certainly not the ace, the, uh, not the pitcher Marcus Stroman is. And so I, in that vein, I think it was a uh, a very good trade. I I, I just wonder if uh, uh, two things. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they promised him that he'd be in a rotation, and I'm sure they had every intention of doing that. And probably the deal was, you know, it, you know, if you can get Marcus Stroman in for that, then you've got to make that deal, uh, you know. And I'm, I'm I've been tough on uh, Mr. Van Wagenen. But uh, you have to make that deal. And I, I wonder if he did make it then to try to corner the market 
Uh, because of all the top pitches they were talking about, starters that could have possibly been traded, it was, you know, Stroman was up there, Wheeler was up there. Um, not that really any of them moved, those two particular, but I wonder if that was his uh, his idea was to try to corner the market, get the uh, guys in the end. If he can move them, fine. If he can't move Stroman and Wheeler, he's got a dynamite. Uh, a rotation. I don't know. Uh, he did accomplish the fact that the Yankees didn't get a starter, which is a victory in my book as well. <laughs> yeah, Gary, I heard that theory too, that he was kind of cornering the market like uh, like buying all the gasoline mm-hmm. so everybody has to go to one station. Um, you know, I, Brody Van Wagen, and I like, to, I like to refer to him as the P.T. Barnum of baseball. <laughs> And how he sold us on, uh, he sold us, you know, at the beginning of the season, spring training, how the Mets were going to be this great team. But I have to give him credit. I think he did make a good deal with Stroman, uh, made the staff a lot stronger. The only thing that worries me about Stroman, though his first game, which was on the road, uh, he made a great barehanded play. You know, that play, uh, mm-hmm. he threw the guy out of the plate, right? Um, that was bad. That was a spectacular play he made. Yeah. Um, and now he's coming to, you know, he's going to pitch his first game, I think, Saturday at home. He's coming home. And I just, I hope he, he you know, the old baseball cliche, you know, staying within yourself. I hope he doesn't try to throw the ball through the, through the backstop because he's going to be playing in front of the home town fans and his family and friends and and i just hope that uh, because we don't like i said before there's not any room for error and we really need a good game out of him and then start a string with him but i i like the move i think bringing in stroman was a good move again minor league talent until it's up and proven you don't know what you have and i think with stroman you, you do know what you have so it was a good move all right, uh, and of course, as we look at this team, and we we mentioned about injuries, and of course, uh, one big injury that took place this week was uh, Robertson Cano going down with a torn hamstring. Uh, my guess is he's done for the season. I don't know what anybody else guessed. Um, now, would I be a terrible person by said by saying that? Um, I wasn't that affected by it. I didn't say, oh, my God, there goes the season. Uh, you know, I, I would have to say I probably said, oh, my God, now we can play better defense. Uh, so tell me, am I going to hell in a handbasket or what for not uh, being too upset that Robinson Cano got hurt? I don't know if I'm going to hell, but it might be a very nice place. <laughs> I do like the hot weather. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, did you notice how he got injured? So it, it, he was running, you know, his normal, you know, lackadaisical. Then he, then he turned it on. It's when he turned it on that's when he got hurt. So, you know, if he wasn't, was running hard out of the box, who knows? But that's, you know, conjecture. Uh, you know what? There's a second baseman out there now. Joe Panic. I know the Mets are going to wait till he is, you know, released because if they pick him up now, they got paid the rest of his contract. So if they got, 
he waits, he waits the 10 days, they pick him up. The Giants are responsible for most of it. So I would really like to see him pick up a regular, everyday second baseman instead of just switching between Echeverria, Diorme, putting, you know, uh, McNeil back in and out of the outfield. So I'd really like to see a regular second baseman in here. And, I, you know, with Joan Paddock out there, a New York guy, bring him in. I see no reason not to. Anyone else? <laughs> wow. There's well, let me let me throw uh, Mike from San Francisco, the uh, proprietor of Grubby Glove. Give give some kudos to him, and uh, because he did post something on the Mets Musings Facebook page that that uh, he would say no to panic. And you know, if you think about it, the Giants are only a couple of games behind the Mets, they let him go. So uh, again, maybe a move to New York where he's from might help but you know what uh, like gary said the injury to cano not that i would ever wish an injury to a player but it probably does improve the team because cano's body of work was practically nothing this year unfortunately he got hurt just as he was starting to get hot but clearly the injury improves the defense because you're now playing whether it's etchy or guillaume you're playing a a very good defensive second baseman and even when it's uh, McNeil, then you know, then you're playing Juan Lagares in the outfield. So whichever guy it is, it improves the defense tremendously over Cano. But unfortunately, you've got a very weak bat in the lineup just about every every single day. And they they do have some options in the minor leagues, and there's been conjecture about whether or not they bring up one of these guys. Uh, two names that we're familiar with. Uh, one being our old pal Ruben Tejada, who is just tearing it up in AAA. He's actually hitting quite well down there. And another is Dilson Herrera, who's been uh, around the block a couple of times, but he's only 25. Uh, he's battled some injuries over the last few years. He's healthy this year. He's got 22 home runs in Syracuse. And the reason I say in Syracuse is because we're not talking about the uh, Pacific Coast League where home runs come about. Uh, don't think he would hit that same amount of home runs in the major leagues. But maybe he's found something. Maybe he's matured into his body better and is got a little bit more pop on the ball. Always a good fielder. Same thing with Tejada. What about one of those choices? And, and Len, I'll start with you. Well, let me just say about Cano, you know, Barry had a great point. Um, he was getting hot. Uh, but it's kind of addition by subtraction. You know, losing him, the bat is what I'm concerned about. You, you kind of figured that at some time this season he was going to break out of it and hit. He had that three-home run game, then he went into a slump again. Uh, but uh, defense is lacking. He's 36 years old. And this was his, I think this was his third time with a hamstring injury this season, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there was one with a wrist. And, oh. uh, yeah, but didn't he, 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 he went on with, with no, it? No, yeah, there was a hamstring issue. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I could see, uh, you know, like Dilson or uh, one of the other guys you mentioned uh, playing a, a much better second base. I'm just concerned that their offense, which has always been an issue, you know, lately, 
it's great. I mean, with Alonzo and Conforto and, and, uh, and, and, um, now of course I draw a blank on the name, but the point is, what? McMeal, Ramos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So their offense is much better, but you know, in years past, the offense has been the issue. And I'm just worried about that. Yeah, I can't believe they won a game the other day, and their six to nine players were Echeverria, Guillaume, Nito, and the pitcher, and they still won the game. Yeah, but because those guys didn't really. It's yeah, the bottom of the lineup is 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 not hitting, uh, but because they're getting so much offense from Alonzo and McNeil and and Conforto and that, you know, the, the bottom of the lineup isn't an issue, but it can be. you got to get something out of those guys. I mean, Let's not forget J.D. Davis. They're getting offense from their pitch. Because he's, he's been spectacular. He's taken that left field job and run with it, and, and I can yeah. now see him being the left field will at least till the end of this season, although I have to admit it would be nice to get Dom Smith back in there, even if it's just as a lefty bat off the bench, especially now that we're fielding a lineup that is always going to have at least one weak weak link in it. But yeah, J.D. Well, Davis has one, been tremendous. There's one lefty bat that's not coming back, and that's Nimmo, because they just put him on the 60-day DL. So oh, really? I, I think he's going to be done for the season. Yeah, probably. I, I heard that, too, just before we started. That that That's a shame. Yep. Tough break for him. They have the bats in the, in the bottom of the lineup to compete against, you know, teams like the Dodgers um, and uh, forget the American League. I mean, the American League, between the Twins and the, the, and the Yankees and, and Houston, if they ever got that far, they're, they're killing the ball over there. So, they, you know, the bats, Again, they they're there's such a fine line if if one of these guys gets injured, if if an Alonzo goes down or or McNeil or don't one think, of these guys I'm sorry, that. but I can't don't you know. think like that. <laughs> they just they, they don't have they don't have they don't have the, the backup players. That's that worries me. All right, and on that note, let's take a quick break and be back after this. Hey, baseball fans and book fans as well. This is Frank Nappy, author of the Legend of Mickey Tussler series, inviting all of you to learn more about my protagonist, Mickey Tussler, an incredible pitching prodigy who has autism. Follow Mickey's journey as he captures the hearts of fans everywhere with his blazing fastball and indomitable spirit. Please visit Amazon or www.franknappy.com for more information. Hi, this is the world-famous Mr. Brewtown of BrewtownSports.Potomatic.com. You know, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, Plus. Uh, Brewtown Sports. You can also listen to the show at Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and iTunes.com. And we've got the new one. It's called BrewtownRadio.Webley.com. But the one that I'm most proud of being on is BaseballPodcast.net. It is the home of great baseball talk shows. Check it out, my show, and all kinds of other programs all about Major League Baseball. So check it out. That's BaseballPodcast.net, the home for great baseball talk shows. 516-619-6341. That is the comment 
voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at metsmusings1. And uh, if you'd uh, like to help out the show, check out our Patreon page. Check out the campaign at patreon.com slash Mets Musings. And we're back and uh, we were discussing injuries and uh, Lenny ever the pessimist and Jeff the optimist. So uh, yeah, it's it's a tough thing, you know. Uh, one bad injury, but I think I I think they're in the best shape. Barry brought up JD Davis. If they can get Smith, I have a feeling Smith is going to be out for a while. I don't think we're going to see Smith until September. He had a what they called a stress reaction, which is uh, I guess uh, a step ahead. Pardon the pun. Uh, of a stress fac- fracture, so he he. I, I think he, I don't know how he heals or anything like that, but I think he's going to be a while. Um, so I think it's a good thing for JD Davis because he's really shined. He's improved his fielding in left field. Still a little shaky at times, but that's okay, you know. Um, and uh, you know, I I think they've got enough. I don't know if they can compete against the Dodgers and and uh, perhaps the Yankees, but you know what? In a short series with that pitching staff, that could make a world of difference. Well, I kept reminding Len, my friend Len here, sitting right next to me, <laughs> that twenty years ago, nineteen eighty-eight, the Mets had a powerhouse team against the Dodgers, who had no business playing against the Mets. And guess what happened? Well, thirty years ago. 30 years ago, but uh, yeah, the Dodgers beat the Mets. They, 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 they shouldn't have. That's why they play the game. And, I and uh, Jeff, that. let's, let's, let's uh, dial it back a few years before that. What about the 1973 Mets who uh, went into uh, the playoffs with 82 wins, beat the Big Red Machine, and the main reason for that was their – they had uh, Seaver, Kuzman, and Matlack to throw against that lineup, and they shut them down. But clearly the better team well, did not win that series. But you know what? When you, have, when you have that kind of pitching, and the Mets have it, you know, they throw in a three-game series to Grom, Sithagard, <laughs> and Wheeler at you, that they, they, they can beat anybody. And they almost beat and Oakland I, that year. And I just well. want to say one more thing about you guys were talking about uh, the depth in the infield, and I'm maybe you guys know better than me as far as now that we have these new rules about only the one trade deadline. The guy I would have liked to have seen the Mets get would have been as Drupal 
Cabrera. He he went a really nice fit. Not not to mention that he's you know he's played in New York and he was successful here. He would have been a nice pickup for the Mets, but uh, Washington got to him again. I don't know if two teams put in a claim for the same play. Who gets that player? Now nah, it used to work, but obviously Washington put in the claim and they got him. Whether the Mets did or not, I I really don't know. But Cabrera would have been a nice fit for the Mets. Well, knowing the Mets, they were waiting for him to clear, uh, you know, so was, they wouldn't have to pay his contract. But I think, I guess, Washington picked up the money. That's that's usually what happens. I'm going to apologize, guys, all right? I I didn't mean to come on and be pessimistic and, and, and negative. I mean, one of us has to. It makes for exciting radio or podcasts. You know, we got to. We can't all be uh, giddy. I thought I was going to be giddy, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I guess you could tell uh, I'm not a new Met fan. <laughs> well, I'm cautiously optimistic. Let, let, let's put it that way. Yeah, cautiously optimistic? Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I certainly go with that. Well, and, and I'm hoping for great things. So. Well, Let's let's hope. Well, talking about being cautiously optimistic, I actually saw a post on Facebook where some people are starting to call for Mickey Calloway if the Mets continue on this way to be the manager and the manager of the year. Um, <laughs> we wanted to hang this guy, draw and quarter him, <laughs> and tar and feather him, and now people call him for manager of the year. I, it, it, it's really an incredible, wacky season that uh, they can make a turnaround. But I, I have noticed that they are playing a lot of fundamental g- game again. They're playing, uh, uh, they're making contact. They're not striking out as much, and they're playing a little old school baseball. and And Jeff and I went to the Cyclones game, and we really witnessed some old school baseball that night, Jeff, didn't we? <laughs> oh, we certainly did. Bunting, hit and run, stealing bases—it was amazing. So maybe uh, this is a change in the system, perhaps. Who knows? Uh, but uh, you know, and we talked about Phil Regan in the beginning, and I remember when they hired him, uh, the sports pope Mike Francesa, and was taking phone calls, and people were berating this poor man about it's going to take him an hour and a half to get out. To the pitching mound. Uh, how's he going to get out there with a walker? It's all timed now. He'll never give out it. This guy moves better than Mike Francesca has in the last 10 years. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it was so, it really disgusted me as an old guy that the discrimination that, that they were showing on this show, on his show, for this man who's 83, I think, or 82. And I'll yeah. tell you what, that guy moves better than he was. He was moving faster than Robinson Cano was moving. That's true. <laughs> and let me get this little slight rant out of the way and say, uh, Jeff, you brought up a good point about Robinson Cano uh, that when he had to turn it on. And, and let's consider now that at his age, he does maybe he can't turn it on. This is what's going to happen. He's going to pull. 
the uh, hamstrings. Maybe it worked when he was 25 and he could laze down the first base. But now he, he doesn't maybe he doesn't have that second gear anymore. And this is going to be a common problem. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I see him talking to, uh, to Rosario, and I cringe sometimes because I don't think he's the best role model, but uh, perhaps he is when he's talking defense or, uh, you know, hitting. But uh, please don't, the hustle part, don't copy uh, his, uh, his, his uh, ideas. So uh, anybody want to chime in on that? I'm done ranting. <laughs> he should uh, copy uh, Nimmo's uh, uh, way of, of of hustling. That's the way to do it. Um, I want to get back to Mickey Colley for one second. And you know what? When things are going well, I think the Mets are winning despite his moves. Uh, and it's still, even if they make the playoffs this year, I'm still not sure he's coming back next year, next season. You know, uh, he his moves. Some of his moves are very questionable, and so uh, you know, who knows if he'll be back. You know, you, well, you, you know what, Jeff? They if, lose, he, if they get to the playoffs, I don't see any way that he isn't coming back. And I agree with you that his in-game decisions, especially managing that bullpen, still come in to, to question. But you got to give the guy credit today. The plays have played hard for him that, at the end of last season. They could have quit on this season. It looked like the after that blow-up in the clubhouse with Tim Healy that things were, were really going to go south. And they, uh, they, they, kept, they kept it together. My feelings I mean, are just think where Just think a month ago, we, we would have all signed for this. Callaway came in as a as a pitching coach. I mean, not he was a pitching coach. Comes in rookie manager. Team doesn't have a good year. He doesn't have a good year. Just like there's ups and downs with rookies. Okay, with the players, there's going to be ups and downs with the manager. And I think you got to build consistency in the system. You know, look at teams. Look at the Dodgers, how Tommy Lasorda was the manager for all those years. Or the teams where they keep, uh, you know, the, the Cardinals, the Braves, they had managers, they had pitching coaches, they had staff that was there for years. Now, I know they kept winning, but if, if the team wins, I don't think it sets a good, um, it, it's not a good thing to get rid of your manager, especially when the team's winning. You can't blame the guy for when the team's losing and then not give them credit when the team's winning. So exactly. You've got to, you can't keep changing managers. It would be different if the team had another bad year. Okay. But if the team's going to do something like this and they're going to come back, these players are playing hard for him. And I think that even though, do I think he's the greatest manager? No, but I still think for the whole Thing, to be consistent and to build something, you got to build just like you're building your players, you got to build your staff and your manager. So I say he's got to stay. And if this season does go south, which it certainly is capable of doing, it's going to start all over again. And you can bet your bottom dollar that if that does happen, 
we'll be questioning lots of Mickey's moves because even while they are winning, he does make some very questionable in-game decisions. I'm going to stop short of saying he's a good manager and to, to think of him in terms of manager of the year. I, I don't know where where that came from, but... but yeah, that's crazy. Again, You're right. Manager of the year, I mean, just, you know, let him keep his job, but manager of the year, no. And I agree. If the team, you know, goes south, then, then you have reason. Then you have reason. But... If he's going to win, if the team's going to win, I think he, I think at least you give him another year. I, I yeah, and his contract is through next contract season anyway. Right. So he'll still yeah, be Mets under contract. Well, you know. That's eating money anyway, so. I, I think know. if he if he makes the playoffs, if he takes his team to the playoffs, he's going to be a strong contender for manager of the year because who's your competition really? Um Snitger won it last year, so he's not going to get it. There's nobody in the Central that's really, you know, uh, I mean, they're talking about Madden you know, it could be possibly let go. Um, the Dodgers, everybody expected to win anyway. So if he gets this team in a playoffs, he's going to have a uh, he's going to have a good chance of getting manager of the year. And I know how far fetched. I know how ridiculous that sounds, but I think it's a distinct possibility. Well, then you're never getting rid of them. Yeah. It's going to be a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was another question. You brought up this on, you saw this on Facebook about, you know, Mickey Calloway. There was another question on Facebook that if the Mets make it to the one game wild card game, right? They make it to that game and they lose that game. Would you consider this to be a successful season? So, Gary, it's your show. So, <laughs> but I'm putting that question out to you guys. What do you think? I, I I'll start it off. I'll say, yeah, I think you have to. The way that it started, um, Met fans doesn't. Ha- we don't have the same expectations that Yankee fans that it's a bad season unless you win the World Series. I think if they can make it to the playoff game, and even if they lose it, people will be disappointed, but I think you have to look back in hindsight at the problems with the bullpen. At the start of the season, with the, the starting pitching wasn't that sharp. They went through a pitching coach. Uh, they lost center fielder. They lost Cespedes for the whole season. Because uh, don't forget, they were counting on Cespedes coming back around now or or in another few weeks or September at least uh that didn't happen um the talk about the trades and and everything like that trading wheeler trading syndicate put all of that together and i think you have to evaluate it as a good year uh barry your thoughts on that yeah, Gary, I agree with you. If, you. if you can get a team to the playoffs, I think you'd have to say the season is a success. And remember 2016, they got into the the one-game wild card coming off the World Series appearance. They ran into the best postseason pitcher of his generation, and they couldn't touch Madison Bumgarner. But that was a successful season. So, yeah, Gary, I, I, I would agree with you. Jeff? And I do agree with you. Uh, at the beginning of this season, I thought every team in the National League East 
except for Miami, is going to fight it out. And as we got into the season, you know, the Mets had their, their slump and, you know, it was kind of dropping out. But to make it back to uh, a, a, the wild card game, it was it would be an ex- ex- I, I would expected that in the beginning of the season. So I'm thinking, yeah, maybe it'd be a successful season just based on how poorly they played for a good part of the uh, first half. They they really turned it on in the second half. Now let's hope they, you know, the next couple of series against Washington, Atlanta, uh, they got Kansas City, which they should roll over. And then they have a couple more with uh, Cleveland, Atlanta, and Chicago. So it's going to be a, a tough road the next uh, couple of weeks. But if they can hold their own and make it to the playoffs, I think it would be a, a successful season. And I, I give them a chance in that one-game playoff, like you and Barry and Len have said, where, you know, you're pitching that one game, and you put the Grom in that game, you have a great chance of winning it. Well, and and you have to look now the possibilities that it could be against Washington, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, or St. Louis, possibly. I, I think I covered all of the possibilities there. And really, against every one of them, I would think that uh, we would have the advantage with the starting pitcher. Yeah, I would throw the Giants into the mix also. Okay. Back, back to the question. If you if if you're looking at 2016, right, that one game after they lose the World Series to Kansas City, right, in 2015, to me, even though they made what we call postseason, right, was a disappointment because you're hoping that they do like Kansas City the year before, and on their second try, they get further at least. I mean, hoping World Series, but further. But this year, even though Brody Van Wagenen was selling us on, you know, we're going to win the National League, uh, we're going to win the, you know, the, the, the division, and we're going to go far, and blah, blah, blah. Realistically, if they do make that one-game playoff this year, even if they lose, that means they played meaningful baseball, games that we all cared about, that, you know, we're all glued to our TVs or at the game or whatever all the way up to, you know, all the way beyond August and September and, and beyond, it would have de- it, this would definitely be a successful season. And, Lynn, the only thing I want to say to add to your point about 2016, so I'll, I'll slightly disagree with you on that. What you got to remember about that season is that that pitching staff was decimated going down the stretch because they were starting an unproven Lugo, an unproven Robert Gazelman, and those two guys were fixtures in the rotation along with a Syndergaard, and they still had Bartolo Colon. Remember DeGrom and Matt Harvey, remember him? I mean, they, they, weren't, they weren't pitching at that time, so I consider that season, that season a success and, a, and, a, and really a success and a disappointment at at the same time, if uh, that is possible, because again they ran into the best money pitcher of his generation. I mean, no one else could beat Madison Bumgarner in, in the postseason. And remember, Syndergaard matched him pitch for pitch until unfortunately he uh, went out of the game. And you know, once he was out of the game, you, you kind of knew the Mets 
were in yeah. a lot of trouble because Bumgarner was staying in that game even if that game was going 20 innings. He wasn't coming out for anything. He's a, he's a, a money pitcher. He'll, he'll give you everything and he'll go beyond. Uh, pitch, pitch counts be damned but for Matthew Bumgarner. Well, I think we've exhausted a lot of subjects here this evening, and uh, we have to save something for the next round table. So, <laughs> I just have one last question. Sure. Uh, anybody see Jed Lowry around? <laughs> I think he's joined the Beverly Hillbillies. I don't know. Oh, that's Jed Clampett. I'm sorry. Uh, good question. Um, Terrible, terrible deal. Uh, I, I don't know. Another guy that was injury prone and 36 years old. Really a waste of money. And the scary part about it is next year, how much money is going to be tied up in, in, in Cespedes and in Lowry. And we don't know if either one of them going to be back. Now, there was a rumor that they were trying to break Cespedes' contract or at least invest looking into it. Voiding the contract, I think there's, uh, I guess the feeling is that he did something to, uh, the story was not uh, straight at what happened to him, and he may have violated the contract in something. Um, I, I have a feeling that if they can prove anything, that it there will be a buyout involved somewhere along the line, and uh and that'll be it with him. And the same thing with Lowry. I mean, I don't know what, what the deal is with Lowry. Uh, you, you don't receive anything with him. I, I, I was surprised at the news with Nimmo because they just said he started some baseball activities. But I guess they needed the spot and this was the best way to do it. But uh, Lowry, I don't know. I think, he's, I think I saw him on America's Most Wanted the other day. I, I don't know. Well, maybe he's riding in that Jeep with Ellie Mae and Granny, and yeah. if we're lucky next year, he'll be playing for the for the Texas team, and they'll change their nickname from the Rangers to the Texas T, to the Texas T. <laughs> What's your thoughts on that, Jeff and Len? Uh, create a signing that, uh, you know, I, I, again, I think I said this before, it was a a signing way. They needed depth, and right. they just who knew was going to get injured. It was uh, one of those freak things. Of course, you know they had a they could have signed DJ Lemayu. Look what he's doing on the other side of town. Right. Uh, but it was, the, I don't think it was a bad signing. I mean, the fact that he's out for the season with injury. At the time, I thought, you know what, that was maybe the move. He was making some moves at the time where I thought later in the season, those are the moves that you don't really talk about, but those are the ones that help the team. And that, I thought that was a good move. So I'm not going to fault him on that. Um, you know, who thought he was going to miss a whole season? So you can't – we don't have the crystal ball on that one. And listen, guys, maybe with his year off, he comes back next year and and, and, play, and gives the Mets a solid season. They'll, they'll need it. I mean, unless they move JD back to the infield, they're gonna need a good. They're gonna need a third baseman for 2020. Uh, stranger things have happened. Maybe Larry will be will be that guy, or at least be in the mix 
at that position. You you, you never know. Can he, did he play never. the outfield? What did you say? Did Lowry play the outfield at all? I don't think he's he's, he's played the outfield. No, pretty much uh, uh, the, the the three infield position. I think there's some first base too. Yeah, well, the Mets have you know that that's one thing the Mets are very famous for is moving players out of their position. So <laughs> if he's ever played the outfield, he may yeah he may play it. He's never played the outfield. All, all four infield positions. Uh, and uh, he's only 35 right now, so uh, he's 30. He's 35 now, so he's 36 next year. All right. Well, yeah. this has been very entertaining and educational, and I hope all the fans uh, enjoyed it. And I want to thank you all for for taking the time out this evening and coming on. And Jeff and Len, you want to mention uh, your your podcast and uh, your latest episode? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, thank you. We get to uh, our latest episode of our podcast, which is Baseball and BBQ, all right? Uh, we have on two great people. We have on, uh, and most people are saying, Gary Mack's on? No, we didn't get Gary Mack on that show. Um, but we have Chris Epting, who wrote this book called Roadside Baseball, which is a fantastic book. And... Um, we also have Lori Rubinson from WFAN Radio. That's episode number 40. And then stay tuned, guys, because episode number 41 is going to be a big barbecue episode. So I'm not going to give away too much detail on that, but hopefully you'll enjoy it. So, Jeff, how do, how do they find our podcast? You can find us on... I think it's called now Apple Podcasts. I think iTunes is, is done away oh, with. Done. So Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio, and BaseballPodcast.net. We can Ooh. find Mets Musings as well. <laughs> Thank you for the plug, Gary. You're welcome anytime. Barry, as always. And Chris Epting, and Chris Epting was spectacular. He, he, he's living the dream, guy. He, he, what he's doing, going to all these, these uh, off off the beaten path places and digging up baseball memorabilia is is really is really great. Uh, that that's the life I've dreamt of for for a long long time. And you guys said that one day you were going to try to reconnect with him. And if you ever do, I'd love to meet him and then tell him this in person. You got it. And Gary, yeah. this was this was a great this was a great night. I mean, we, we we had a lot of fun t- talking for once about the Mets in a positive way, and hopefully uh, it will continue. Well, we will do it again, and hopefully we can get all of us in the same room or on the same patio or something together, like we did the last time. <laughs> And I want to thank. Well, Gary, if you did it that way tonight, we'd be getting drenched right now. Yes, I. I because it yeah. is absolutely pouring outside. I, I will be getting drenched getting back to my house, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I want to wrap it up for this week's show, and I hope you all enjoyed it. And I want to thank all my guests, uh, Barry, Jeff, and Len. And I want to thank you all for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on, uh, I still call it iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen or watch the podcast. Hit the subscribe button. That helps me grow the show and expand to new listeners. And remember, until the next time. Keep the faith, stay cautiously optimistic, <laughs> and let's go Mets. Let's go Mets! I'll see you all again next time with another edition of Mets Musings.